Yesterday, across the country, riots erupted in several cities. And this is probably a surprise to nobody because riots have been going on now for several months. Unfortunately for the police who arrest these rioters, many district attorneys just cut them loose and don't actually follow through with charges, ensuring they will return to riot again. Now, Portland has seen its share of rioting with the far left coming out, acting a fool and fighting with cops. But yesterday it was something different. Right wing groups showed up to counter them. Both sides had shields, clubs, pepper spray. On the right, we saw paintballs and one individual even drew a revolver that we don't know if this guy fired the gun. There were reports of at least one shot being fired. Now, I'm not suggesting the escalation and the fights in Portland is absolute proof that civil war is coming, though I do think it's obvious that tribal violence along political lines does lend itself to the idea. At least what's more disconcerting to me is what's happening in Virginia. A Virginia state Democrat has been charged with two felonies for participating in riots. Because of this, the police have been accused of a conflict of interest. What that conflict is, we don't know. But because of the accusation, the vice mayor is now calling for the police chief to be fired. And in response to that, people are calling for the vice mayor to be charged and arrested as well. This is where we start seeing the finger pointing emerge. Who's on whose side? Who will be arrested? Which side is just? We have government officials in Virginia challenging each other and calling for each other's firing or arrest. And this is beyond the counting heads phase. Matt Taibbi described it in an article I'll show in a second, where he said someone bucks the executive, then everyone starts counting heads. Who's on whose side? Who's got control of this? Who's got control of that? Governor Ralph Ralph Northam said that this is highly irregular and we're on the verge of passing tremendous and historical police reform. But this to me suggests a breakdown, at least at a state level. This is a state senator Democrat being charged with felonies and a conflict emerging because of it. This to me is particularly worrying. We're also seeing at the highest level on both sides, the left and the right accusations that either side is trying to steal the election, stage a coup or something to that effect. Now, most of you know my opinion on the matter. Dr. Burks and Fauci have both said mail, uh, voting in person is safe. Yet for, for some reason, the Democrats are adamant we must have mail-in voting. And because Trump challenges this, they say Trump is trying to stage a coup and high profile conspiracy theories are starting to erupt. Congress was just called in yesterday over a conspiracy theory about the post office. Clearly, one side is living in a different reality to the other. And of course, like I said, my opinion is that the left is out of their mind and absolutely desperate to do anything to win back the office, to win back the government. You see, earlier this year, there was an impeachment against Donald Trump. What happened with that? They've seemed to have abandoned it. There was no discussion of it at the DNC, and they just act like it didn't happen. Maybe it's because they lost, but they've certainly been trying to stop Trump for years, and they've been pushing unhinged conspiracies. I believe they're serious when they say by any means necessary. I've got some imagery to show you that suggests a ground conflict. But then I want to talk to you about the real potential for a political breakdown when we don't know who is the criminal, when executives in various political offices are being charged or are being challenged as though both should be arrested. Who arrests who and who will the police side with? I honestly don't know. And when we reach that point, like we may in Virginia, that's when the counting heads phase is over. 
and the conditions of civil war have been met. Now, will it actually break out into a, a real civil conflict? I don't know. What we saw in Portland yesterday, I, I hate to say it because some people think it's a bit over the top, but it reminds me of Egypt. I was in Egypt when this, this conflict was breaking out. I watched these political battles between two different factions. And there was no moment where different cities erupted and fought each other in a grand you know, civil war march. It was just all of a sudden the military said it's done. We're removing this individual from office. The revolution is complete. And that may be what we see here. It's also possible that everybody slowly backs down. It's possible that Joe Biden has already lost and the Democrats aren't planning on winning. And this just means Trump is going to win. Or perhaps the reason that the Democrats don't care about Joe Biden is because they're planning something else or preparing for something else. I honestly don't know. But I do fear for I I do fear that we may be walking into something particularly bad. But let's 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 go through all this because I've got a lot to show you. I want to show you the polls. I want to show you a story from The Wall Street Journal. There was no bump for Joe Biden after the after the DNC. He should have received a bump. Now, this could mean one of two things. It could mean that he's going to lose because historically it's only happened two other times. The Democratic nominee is announced. They don't receive a bump in the polls and then they lose. Or it could be that there are no swing voters anymore. The tribes, the tribal lines have been drawn and conflict is fast approaching. Maybe I'm wrong about all of this. That's fine, too. You know, maybe maybe to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I'm reading too much into the ongoing violence in Portland. But what worry, what's worrying to me is that I'll tell you this. I think I'm right. I absolutely think I'm right. I said that we were going to see escalating riots. And we did. I said that we would start to see draconian laws. And now we are. To what degree I'm right, I don't know. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I've been doing and just get away from the cities the best I can do. But we'll see how things play out politically. Let's take a look at some of this imagery and I'll tell you what's going on in Virginia that scares me the most. Before we get started, however, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways, many ways you can give. But the best thing you can do is subscribe to this channel. About half the people who watch these videos aren't subscribed. And if you want to make sure you get my videos every day they go live, just below the video player is a little subscribe button. Give it a tap. And now you're more likely to have my videos appear in your feed. If you really want to support me, hit the like button, the notification bell, and share this video to help spread the word. This is a story from the New York Times. I don't need to read all that much. It just says shouting turns to violence in Portland as dueling protests converge. Paintballs and pepper spray filled the air during a confrontation in Oregon between a pro-police rally and Black Lives Matter supporters. But we've seen this escalating for several years. I believe this is the worst we've seen it. But we do have an election coming up. The election is being challenged in many ways. Mail-in voting is already chaotic. Some elections are being forced. They're, they're being forced to be done over, uh, done again, meaning the results have been nullified. That's going to spark lawsuit after lawsuit. And why wouldn't we see that at the federal level? In which case you combine what I'm about to show you with the chaos in the election and you take this where you want to. Tell me I'm crazy. Tell me I'm wrong. Fine. Absolutely fine. I'm going to do my thing. You do yours and feel free to criticize me and say I'm losing it. I'm totally okay with that. But I see these stories and it at least makes me concerned. I first want to show you low tier violence. Police make second arrest in theft of MAGA hat outside of Democratic Convention in Wilmington. This shows you how deep this runs. 
A seven-year-old boy has had his hat stolen. The story went viral while they arrested two women involved. This is not the biggest deal in the world. It's just low-level conflict, but it shows you the tribal ties run deep. Now let's get into it. Take a look at this. Andy No says, much of the violence enacted by Antifa and Black Lives Matter is for propaganda uses. They hope their acts of criminality inspire comrades in other cities. It's worked as the same strategies are being put into practice elsewhere. In this video, we see a man wearing tactical gear, raising his fist with fires burning behind him, yelling Black Lives Matter over and over again. This is revolutionary imagery. It's propaganda. It's designed to inspire leftists to rally and to fight. And many are. And their allies are in government now, and they won't hold them accountable. The next clip, a protest in front of Denver police headquarters is small, but has escalated. About 50 protesters are here right now, many with shields and helmets. A van pulled up and passed out shields to protesters. Protesters are at a standoff with a SWAT team now. What do you mean a van pulled up and distributed shields to protesters? That's right. We've been seeing this. Someone has resources. No joke. I have seen some of these large activist facilities in the past in other countries. You walk in the door and you see hundreds of people and they're working, making shields and weapons. There's a reason why they're not coming out with guns. They're trying to keep it behind, you know, at a certain level. They don't want people to call for their immediate destruction. They want to challenge the police and tear down the system through attrition without drawing too much attention to themselves. A sustained ongoing riot throughout this country is a good way to do that without any single individual being, well, singled out, as it were. But I believe it's going to get uh, a whole lot worse. There's a video going viral in which a man says that he's been in combat and he never wants to go back again. But he says, I'm telling you what I will to save this country. If it has to be against our own citizens, it will happen. And there's a million people like me and you won't stop us. It's a man in City Hall not talking necessarily about the far left extremism. No, this is a regular small business owner. And he's referring to the draconian lockdowns that Biden has said he will enact. From Zeke Miller, Biden to ABC's David Muir, I would shut the country down to prevent uh, the, to prevent the spread of COVID-19 if scientists recommended it. Many people have pointed out Joe Biden has already called for a nationwide mask mandate. Many people are in a pressure cooker with the extremism in the streets that we've, we've seen now in Portland and their businesses being destroyed and they are furious. And in that video, the one I just quoted a moment ago, a man said he will fight and he's a regular, just a regular guy. But here's where it gets political. In this story, calls for the arrest of Portsmouth vice mayor after she demands police chief be fired. This one to me, while not necessarily a nation level, a federal level conflict, it's not Donald Trump challenging Pelosi and saying she must be arrested, but it's state level, state level breakdown. What do we do in Virginia where you have this ongoing conflict? You have they, they, they want to seize people's weapons. You had sheriffs in, in over 90, I believe, jurisdictions saying these are two a sanctuary uh, counties and they wouldn't be enforcing these gun uh, gun control measures. Now you have this. Virginia State Senator L. Louise Lucas charged with felonies over Portsmouth Confederate Monument protest. To me, it's clear this woman helped organize violence, rioting and destruction of public property. She should be charged. But when she was, Ralph Northam intervened, saying 
It's deeply troubling that on the verge of Virginia passing long overdue police reform, the first black woman to serve as our Senate pro tempore is suddenly facing highly unusual charges. I look forward to seeing you in Richmond tomorrow so we can get back to work. In a news conference announcing, announcing the charges Monday afternoon, Green, the police chief, said several individuals conspired and organized to destroy the monument, as well as summon hundreds of people to join in the felonious acts, which not only resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage to the monument, but also permanent injury to an individual. The police chief was then accused of a conflict of interest. There's no real conflict of interest. It's just political. Police chief denies conflict in Lucas investigation, which ultimately resulted in the vice mayor demanding the police chief be fired, which now results in charges or or calls that the vice mayor herself now be charged with a crime because it is a misdemeanor to call for the firing of of an individual in this way. This is political breakdown. I don't know what we can expect. And let me just stress, this can all end at any moment. It's kind of like watching a lit fuse travel towards an explosive, the explosive being the absolute breakdown of civil order, of political order and street battles erupt. To me, like I said, it's cut and dry. She conspired. Well, listen, she's being charged. She's innocent until proven guilty. But if they have reason to believe she did this, she'll be arrested. The vice mayor is related to this woman. The vice mayor is the, as my understanding, is the daughter. Well, let let me read you some of this story. They say, 14 prominent people, including State Senator Louise Lucas, were charged Monday following following the destruction of a monument. Now there's a new effort to throw the book at Lucas's daughter, Lisa Lucas Burke, the vice mayor in the city. Some say Lucas Burke's uh, demands for firing of police chief Angela Green violate a section of the city charter that says council members cannot call for the firing or resignation of any city employee. Portsmouth has been in the national headlines twice this summer, as we understand. In a unique move, the police chief has said Portsmouth's Commonwealth attorney, Stephanie Morales, cannot prosecute the 14 cases because she has been named as a potential witness. This is where everything's just breaking down. I apologize. It's hard for me to follow this. Virginia Beach attorney Tim Anderson, who launched an effort to recall Lucas from her role as senator following the June 10 protest, posted a video Friday on social media that includes a clip of the vice mayor speaking at a news conference called by the Martin Luther King Jr. Leadership Steering Committee where activists called for the immediate resignation or firing of the police chief. Anderson's post included a section of the city charter, which states is a class three misdemeanor for a member of the council to call for the removal of any person from employment within the city. However, Lucas Burke has called for the firing of the police chief and she's not backing down. I can express my opinion just like any other citizen. Lucas Burke told 10 on your side. She never received the email from McGee and the address used for her was incorrect. She proffered that the mistake may have been intentional. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty internals of what's going on here, but let me just stress. I mean, you literally have a state Democrat being charged with a felony. That should be enough to suggest we're getting to dangerous levels of political conflict. At a certain point, you get to the counting heads phase as Matt Taibbi describes it. And that's where we are. Take a look at this story. I've referenced, uh, I referenced this story before, but I want to show you this. Taibbi says, I've lived through a few coups. They're insane, random and terrifying like watching sports, except your political future depends on the score. The kickoff begins when a key official decides to buck the executive. From that moment, governments, government becomes a high speed head counting exercise. Who's got the power plant, the airport, the police in the Capitol? How many department chiefs are answering their phones? Who's writing tonight's newscast? This is a story, or I should say an, uh, an op-ed from Matt Taibbi titled, We're in a permanent coup. 
Americans might soon wish they just waited to vote their way out of the Trump era. I've cited this story several times, and those that follow my content, particularly as I discuss, particularly as I discuss, discuss civil war, you've probably heard me reference this before. But there's a reason, a specific reason why I bring it up now. It seems like we are seeing some kind of head counting or challenge to authority in Virginia. We've already seen street level conflict. Maybe this, again, lends itself to this idea. But Mattai B said Americans might soon wish they just waited to vote their way out. Yeah, maybe. I wish. But now we're actually getting towards a year after this article was written, where it seems like you will not be able to vote your way out. I give you Walter Schaub, the former director of the government uh, office of ethics. He's, he, he has a, a long thread where he accuses Trump. He says, maybe saving the post office seems like a bureaucratic issue to some people. So let me break down for you why this may be Armageddon. And let me first point out, this is a conspiracy theory on the left that Trump was stealing mailboxes. They, that one, one, one high profile leftist celebrity claimed Trump supporters were stealing mail trucks, USPS trucks. It's just not true. It is a conspiracy theory. It's an unhinged conspiracy theory. And they actually recalled Congress over it. And now we have this. Walter Schaub says one, Trump fears he's losing because his poll numbers are dreadful. Don't be so sure he'll lose. 2016 taught us these polls are meaningless. Two, Trump's attacking the legitimacy of the election to lay the groundwork for refusing to acknowledge a loss. Three, but it's not enough. He has to do more. He and Mnuchin installed a crooked board of postal governors and a crooked postmaster general to sabotage the mail. Although what they don't tell you is that many of the changes underway were put in place before Trump installed anybody and before Trump. The post office has been facing challenges for a long time. Even Obama in, I believe it was 2012, criticized the post office. Unhinged conspiracy. But you can't stop it. These people are out of their minds and they're, they're, they're marauding through the streets. He says, four, he doesn't have to succeed in destroying the post office. He has to succeed only in having a little impact on the mail service. A little may be enough to tip the balance in close districts where voter suppression is already hard at work. But even that doesn't have to happen. All he has to do is sow chaos and create doubt. He just needs a hook for the White House, Barr and McConnell to hang their hats on. They call for an investigation to look into the election. They use that as an excuse to sow more doubt and more chaos, more uh, and maybe destroy records. At the same time, he tells the he tells the folks he calls his Second Amendment people a coup is happening. It's true. He is staging a coup, but he tells them it's the other side that's staging a coup. They grab their guns and start occupying state capitals, maybe burn some buildings. Funny, though, let me just digress. It's Antifa who's already been doing that. It's the far left who is telling us to vote by mail to change the rules of an election when Fauci and Burks have already told us we can vote in person. It's the left doing this. And at the same time, whispering into all of their ears, no, it's Trump. Trump's the one doing it. They've been the one rioting and burning down buildings. No, no, it's the Proud Boys you must be afraid of. It doesn't matter who you think is right. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter who uh, is right. I certainly think the left is unhinged. But you have many leftists who don't believe it. And they're wrapped up. He says Russia and the Republicans sow more doubt and scream about the lawlessness they created. Trump sends in troops and unmarked law enforcement. Meanwhile, agitators run false flag operations and agitate both sides. All hell breaks loose. At this point, we are in the worst crisis the nation, uh, the nation has seen in a century and a half. And the demagogue runs rampant. If you wait until then to protest, you're going to be sorry. There will be blood. That's why we protest now 
to save the uh, the post office. So what do we see? We see people in Portland with shields that say something about, you know, QAnon or whatever, conspiracy theory. We see the left claiming that the post office is being gutted by Trump and his secret plot to install his co-conspirators and deploy armed groups to, to steal the election, even though it's the left that's changing the rules of the election. And then we see mail-in voting was already broken. A judge has ordered a new election in Patterson after voter fraud charges. What happens when you scale that local election up nationwide? How th- this, this is one of the first we've seen in New Jersey. I believe it's the first in New Jersey and it broke. How many are we going to get nationwide? I think it's fair to say Trump will be in the right to say, hey, something's not right here. We need an investigation. But the left has already laid the groundwork. They've already said, go out, protest, go out, riot. We won't charge you. They've already said it's unjust if you try and prosecute the lady who's actually incited the riot. A Democrat, no less, two felonies. But now we can see where I believe it, it may be the, the, the lines that they're already drawn and we're marching headfirst with no way to turn around. Raheem Kassam for the National Pulse writes, no bump chump. Biden suffers same fate as John Kerry and George McGovern in post DNC polls. I'm not going to read through the whole article, but he gives you a general, a general idea of, of why Joe Biden may be losing. But I think this actually might have more to do with the lines being drawn. You see, there's only two other instances, according to Raheem, where there was no bump for the Democratic nominee, McGovern and Kerry, and they both lost, which could suggest Joe Biden just don't got it. It could also suggest, in my opinion, there's no middle anymore. We know, according to many studies, social media has removed the middle ground. You're either with us or against us by any means necessary, and that's all we've seen. Of course, there are some people who still try to be in the middle. For the most part, lines have been drawn. I mean, heck, even I've crawled off the fence. He points out even Hillary Clinton had a bump after the Democratic uh, uh, National uh, Convention. Joe Biden did not. But I don't think it's about losing. I think, it's, I think it's more about this. The Wall Street Journal says, do swing voters still exist? Conventions give candidates a chance to rally the base but also make their case to a shrinking pool of persuadable voters. Percentage of voters who reported voting for a different party for president uh, than the previous election. They say average of past three elections won by out party incumbent party. Latest Wall Street Journal NBC News poll. Now, this is from several days ago. The convention only recently ended. And now we've learned Joe Biden did not receive a bump. And perhaps it's because there's no one left to earn. Everyone has, has, has drawn their lines. Now, maybe there's people who are not activated. Maybe the swing voters have decided where they're going to vote. And regular, you know, regular people who don't vote haven't. I don't know. But either Joe Biden loses and Trump wins. Maybe Trump wins a landslide. Or maybe the election is going to be jammed up like even Trump himself has said. Even alluding to the idea that if Nancy Pelosi gets reelected, And then Donald Trump's election is just frozen because of the Democrats and because of mail-in voting. Pelosi becomes president, interim president until an election can be held. What do you think regular people will do at that point? I think it's 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 fair to say Walter Schaub is not 100 percent incorrect. Now, he accuses Trump of staging a coup. I don't think that's true. I think the Democrats are playing dirty games. And I think what happens next is that, yes, Trump will call on patriots Patriots will come out like they did in Portland. We will see chaos and clashes. And it's actually the Democrats that caused all the problems. 
but I don't know who will win. Like I said in, in, early on, this reminded me of Egypt. In Egypt, we didn't see different regions of Egypt fighting each other. It wasn't a long, drawn-out battle over years. It was two groups fighting in the street, much like it was in Portland. And then eventually the military said, enough, we cannot continue this way. And they chose sides. The military came in and removed, I believe this was, I can't remember, uh, I believe it may have been Morsi. Morsi was the Muslim, Muslim Brotherhood candidate. They removed him and, and put in Sisi. I could be getting my details wrong. It's been a long time since I was down there and, and focused on that stuff. So fact check me. But the military just said enough, enough, 100% we are done. And they decided if the unrest will not stop, we'll cave. What does that mean for us? I honestly don't know, but I will tell you. It was the ongoing protests against the Muslim Brotherhood candidate that ultimately led the military to say, we are going to remove the Muslim Brotherhood. If we follow suit, which I'm not saying we will, then it would likely be some kind of authority figure, some kind of authority uh, agency or military removing Donald Trump and saying enough. And that's what they've alluded to. The Democrats have alluded to that. I don't believe that ends with Trump supporters and the Patriots and the Proud Boys and troops for Trump and anybody just saying, okay, it didn't happen that way in Egypt. And the military went out and started gunning people down because they continued to protest. In fact, it was the secondary, it was a second revolution in a year, I believe. That, that's what happened in Egypt. So I, don't, I can't tell you what's going to happen, but we're a much, much larger country than Egypt is. Egypt more, is more like one single state. What happens when New York, when, when California say, okay, Joe Biden, and the red states say, no way. Maybe then we start seeing those dividing lines. And that's why I think Virginia is so important because there is inner turmoil in their own government where they're pointing the fingers at each other saying, you can't do this. You have to do this. Who's getting arrested? They should be charged. And it's just breaking down, counting heads in at least one state. What happens when Virginia erupts? It breaks down and leftist groups march in to say, you will not arrest this Democrat. She did nothing wrong. It's a political arrest or whatever. What happens when right wing right wing groups say we will not allow you to take our weapons, violate our rights, and this woman must go to jail? What happens when other groups from other parts of the country rush to Virginia like they do in Portland to join in in what is more than just a street battle, but a political battle? Then Virginia breaks down. The federal government will be forced to intervene. Governors from across the country will say no way to Trump's intervention in Virginia on the side of his supporters. And that's when things could get really out of hand. But maybe I'm reaching too far into that bag. Maybe I'm looking too far ahead and these variables are just, there's way too many to predict. It's fair. Absolutely. But what's happening in Virginia is very real. It could ultimately end in just people slapping each other and, you know, it ends. The street battles may die down. It's possible that Trump sees a landslide. I think it's possible. Absolutely. And then with that landslide, the Democrats finally give up. But I don't think they will. They're screaming about unhinged conspiracy theories pertaining to the post office. And I'm worried that the escalation will continue. I don't think that's pessimistic. I think it's realistic. There's times when you can say realistically a good thing or a thing you like might happen. Some people have said that I'm a bit too pessimistic when I talk about this stuff. But keep in mind, it's optimistic for you in that regard, or I should say for Trump supporters specifically, when I say I think Trump will landslide. But it is maybe realistic to suggest the Democrats are playing dirty games and suggesting that Donald Trump is trying to steal the election when they're the ones who are changing the rules. 
They have nothing but disdain for you. Take a look at this tweet. There's a poll from NBC News and the Wall Street Journal that says whites without college degrees, 59% for Trump, 27% for Biden. Whites with college degrees, 58% for Biden, 35% for Trump. This viral tweet from Dear Aunt Krabby says, I hate to appear mean and cruel. Actually, that's not true. But as I see it, Trump has a huge lead with white, uneducated, stupid people. Yes? No. Trump has a lead with regular working class people who are tired of elitist snobs who think they're better than everyone, but who have never lifted a heavy object in their lives. It's something I tweeted. This individual, they think they're so much better than you, so much smarter than you. But in reality, they couldn't start a fire in the woods. They can't even unclog their own toilets and they think they're better than you. They like to preach and talk about how smart they are up until their toilet breaks. And then who are they calling for help? Regular working class Americans. They like to brag about how, how much smarter they are politically, you know, politically they are. But who do they call when, you know, they're, 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 they get a hole in their wall, their drywall cracks. Then they call you working class American, but they will crap all over you all day and night, calling you stupid for voting for the guy who's actually there to, to defend you, Donald Trump. I don't know what's going to happen, but I am concerned. I am worried that we will see something truly nightmarish. November 3rd, it all begins. On September 17th, the group that started Occupy Wall Street has called for a siege on the White House. You may call me crazy. You may think I'm over overthinking things. By all means, please think that because I hope I'm wrong. But when they call for a siege on the White House, they say it's nonviolent. When they say there will be 50 days straight of protesting around the White House, when they are fighting each other, both tribes, both factions in the street, when the government is starting to break down in Virginia and they're pointing fingers, I don't know what else to expect other than the conditions of civil war being met. Maybe I'll be wrong. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The conflict is escalating. Yesterday, we saw a major brawl between right-wing groups and left-wing groups in Portland. It was a melee with shields. Pepper spray was going nuts. Some people had paintball guns. And at one point, a man drew a revolver. And there are reports of shots being fired. Now, I've seen the photo of the man with the gun. I don't, you know, I don't have video of it, but there are reports that the event, there was at least one shot fired. I presume that may be the case. We saw rioting as well in Chicago, in Denver, in North Carolina, brawls in, in Beverly Hills. Some people say that we'll only truly be in a civil war when civilians are fighting civilians. But we have seen civilians fighting civilians. But I bring this up because I don't believe the next step in this will be an all out civil war or whatever. I know a lot of people like to say that I bring it up relatively often, but I'm sorry. I have to say this. I was not wrong so far about at least where we're going here. And let me explain, as, I, as I've said several times in the past, I'm not talking about predicting lottery numbers. I'm talking about the dominoes falling over. OK, when you look at it, you know, when, when they lay those dominoes all out on the floor and someone flicks one, you know, if this falls over right over there, that domino is going to fall over, too. And that's all that I'm saying. What I said two years ago was that if the far left keeps doing this, eventually people will beg for law enforcement, and you will truly start to see some draconian laws. And now we're starting to see that. 
In Tennessee, they passed some very serious laws against the ongoing disturbances. I don't necessarily want to say protest because they're meant to stop the, the insane rioting. But this is just the first step. The next step in all the clashes will not be, you know, a, a large group of thousands of people charging in the streets with bayonets or whatever. It's going to be the government bolstering law enforcement because residents have enough. People are already fleeing these cities. They're fleeing where, you know, their homes for a variety of reasons. Rioters have been destroying everything. And now they will start begging for law enforcement. So I think the next step is like what we're seeing in Tennessee. Now, I want to talk about the riots, but I'm ultimately going to get to this. Tennessee governor signs bill increasing punishments for certain protests. This is the next step. The law will attempt to shut down the increase in violence. And it's not going to be about Antifa. It's going to be about dueling protests and dueling brawls or whatever you want to call it. This is what Como News says. Dueling groups rally in downtown Portland. Unlawful assembly declared. I love how they titled it because I got the videos, man. And I'm sure many of you, you may have seen them if you're browsing Twitter. These are clashes. These are people with melee weapons and shields charging into each other, beating each other, spraying each other with, with, with pepper spray. And one guy at one point pulled out a gun. So I, I believe it may be the same guy who was walking around with a paintball gun. But we're going to see this, an, an escalation of tactics and weapons. And eventually people are going to call on law enforcement to shut down the conflict between these opposing groups. You will, you will regret it. We will regret it. We will not enjoy. And I'm going to show you uh, exactly what happens when you have cops just enforcing these laws to shut down the riots. And when you have regular people saying, oh, but the rioting could come back, we need law enforcement. We do. We absolutely do. But we need it a long time ago. We need cops to arrest the rioters and the district attorneys to prosecute them. And that's it. But because they're not, right wing groups are stepping up. Many of these right wing groups are simply going out to rally. They're being targeted by the left and attacked. And then these brawls break out, which provides the perfect excuse for the security state. Now, maybe Maybe that's the only solution. I don't know. Maybe there is no solution. But I'm telling you, I think the dominoes are going to fall over. And eventually the last domino we'll see before a real major urban civil conflict or whatever is going to be draconian law. And, and we'll get to this. But first, let's talk about what happened the other day in Portland. And then I'm going to show you some quick uh, tweets just about all of the other cities, because you got to understand this was across the country last night. They try to normalize this. And it is, it is, it is becoming normalized now where it is, is what, 87 or so? How many days? 87? I don't even know. Since the start of the ongoing riots across this country and they didn't stop. They have not stopped. Regular people don't know this. They're not paying attention. Here's a story from Como. They say, Portland police said federal law enforcement declared a, an, an unlawful assembly at Terry Shrunk Plaza after hundreds of people from two different groups gathered in downtown Portland Sunday afternoon. The two groups began gathering outside the Justice Center Saturday at about 12 p.m. Police said people and cars began blocking Southwest 3rd Avenue between Salmon and Madison Streets. Katu spoke with demonstrators on both sides. Some, like Valerie Lacey, showing support for police, said they're frustrated by the division. What I really wish is this group would say, yes, Black Lives Matter. That would throw them off. But everyone wants no give. I mean, Black Lives Matter. But is it worth looting and rioting and destroying businesses? No. The Portland police said individuals and vehicles are blocking Southwest Third Avenue between Salmon and Madison streets downtown. Please consider an alternative route. Police said items were thrown between the groups. There's there's a lot of high emotions. I don't respect the fact that there are people on the other side who are spraying bear mace. We're here to spread our message. We've been doing that for the last three months. Demonstrator Mary Ann said 
the last three months in Portland, they have been violently assaulting people, nearly killing people. In the riots, we've seen 30 plus dead. I certainly understand why counter groups are showing up now and saying enough because the police are, 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 are just incapable of stopping the riots. Now, of course, the police have arrested these rioters. But as I said, the district, district attorneys just keep releasing them. That's it. And so they'll keep on keeping on. And there are people who live here who are not on the far left who are saying enough. Police say people are intermittently engaging in physical fights, deploying pepper spray and throwing projectiles and fireworks. A man exercising at 24 hour fitness came out to find damage to his car as the group moved out of the area because there's no jobs right now. I do delivery services for multiple companies and I hadn't been able to find a job. Now I can't legally drive my car because of this. That's right. And I blame the far left. I do because they're the ones who have been increasingly violent. But listen, regular the media is going to use the fact that right wing groups engaged in a clash with shields and bats and they're going to and they're going to say it was both sides. They're going to that's the game they play. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying the media is going to manipulate this and they will always point the finger at the right. Never the left. Rarely the left. Okay, sometimes they will depending on how serious things are. But now they're going to say both sides, both sides over and over and over again even though it's it's the Black Lives Matter rioters who have been going out for months. They're going to mention federal officers declared an unlawful assembly in the park and directed the crowd to the north. But I, I do have some images I can show you. This is from Andy Noe. He says another mass brawl breaks out in downtown Portland. Proud Boys and other right wing groups rush in and fight Antifa who are pushed back. Bats, sticks and pepper spray are used in the brutal melee. We have this tweet from Elijah Riot, Elijah Schaefer. Portland is a war zone. Yeah. You know what I see here? In Portland, they're using shields and bats and pepper spray. Someone did have a gun, but it seems like it, it really is just they're trying not to make it a war. They're trying to use the bare minimum of force. But, it, but both sides are trying to make sure they don't cross a certain line. But escalation will happen nonetheless. You see, someone drew a gun earlier. Now you're going to see left wing groups wearing body armor, which many of them are already are. And they're going to come out with their guns. And eventually people will start shooting at each other. You have to consider the possibility. Now, I don't know if slash when, but I can tell you the dominoes are falling over. And when you see the S, when, when you see this, go, this going on for months, it's only a matter of time before before people come out with with long guns, before people come out expecting more, uh, more serious damage. I mean, the left has already used Molotovs. They've been using them for months. We had a guy recently, St. Petersburg, charged with terroristic activity for having a Molotov. They're going to hit somebody with it and they're going to maim, disfigure or even kill somebody. And then it's it's that line will be crossed and the police can't stop it in Portland. What was actually one of the, one of the scariest things to me is that uh, let me see if I can find this. Kevin Cuccinelli says, quote, police do not have the resources to keep the group separate. He said, I don't know whether I agree with the statement or not, but if true, that's what state police and National Guard are for. Why doesn't Oregon Governor Brown bring them in? Why doesn't she? She's resisting Trump's help. So is Lori Lightfoot. So are all of the mayors and governors. And they don't have the resources to stop the escalation. So it will fall onto private citizens to push back against the ongoing far left extremism, which will result in an escalation. And eventually, I think both sides will start shooting. I think it's possible then that Donald Trump, I think he's on track to get reelected. And if I had to make a bet, not that I think, look, I made a lot of predictions in my day. Many of them, you know, don't come true. I don't like making predictions. I would, I, I guess I would put it more like, I think this is the next logical step. So sometimes it's not the case. 
I think the next logical step will be Donald Trump wins. Donald Trump invokes in the Insurrection Act and deploys federal officers. And then you see this stuff start to get shut down with harsh draconian law. But uh, look, look, so I, I got more tweets to show you. I just want to show you this because it was all over the place. You've got Elijah, uh, Elijah Schaefer saying Denver, Antifa riders light a tree on fire. North Carolina, officers confront Antifa who try to de-arrest uh, certain people. Chicago, Black Lives Matter protesters are, are, are beating a pinata and sprinkling money on an effigy of a black person. This one is just, you know, a weird protest, which is not the, the biggest deal, mind you. Um, my, my bigger concern is the ongoing violence and the escalation. Take a look at this. Black Lives Matter activists, Trump supporters brawl in park in Beverly Hills. Multiple videos tweeted on Saturday appear to show fights breaking out between Black Lives Matter, Antifa and Trump supporters. According to observers in one video, people who appear to be law enforcement can be seen standing back and not intervening to keep the peace. It's just going to keep ticking up, right? Andy No says, there will likely be a lot of violence in downtown. Antifa from all over are mobilizing for this. Police do not have the resources to keep the group separate. And this was earlier in the day yesterday, and Andy No was 100% correct. Of course, the far left is now blaming Andy No himself, saying that his hoaxes and conspiracy theories have led the far right to start attacking people, even though they've been attacking people, the far left, Black Lives Matter, for months with 30 plus dead. Andy No says Rose City Antifa is organizing violence for Saturday in downtown Portland. They are. It's actually what they do. But let's talk about where we go. Tennessee governor signs bill increasing punishments for certain protests. And this is where I believe people are going to start to regret it. You're going to start to regret it. Everybody will. This will negatively impact everybody. Everybody who loves freedom is going to be angry about this. But I'll, but I'll tell you what, I think there's going to be liberty minded individuals liberals and conservatives who say something like, you know what? We can take some temporary measures to shut down the extremism. But the problem with this is it's the mentality that we often hear. Okay, we only need temporary, temporary law to shut this down. It'll be draconian perhaps, but it'll be temporary. It's never temporary. It is never temporary. The law already empowers the police to shut down the far left. Why aren't they doing it? The law already empowers the government to imprison these individuals breaking the law. Why aren't they doing it? Don't ask me. But the next step is going to be people demanding more. Check out this story from The Hill. Massively viral story. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee quietly signed a bill into law ramping up punishments for certain kind of protests, including losing the right to vote. That is a lie. The far left is trying to push a lie, a technicality, technically the truth. I love it. It's the best kind of the truth. The GOP-controlled state General Assembly passed the measure last week during a three-day special legislative session and was signed without an announcement earlier this week. Among other things, the new law stipulates that people who illegally camp on state property will face a Class E felony punishable by up to six years in prison. That's it. Stop. It's a felony. They made a law that says if you camp on state property, it's a felony. Guess what the media does? People who are found guilty of a felony in Tennessee lose the right to vote. This law does not take away your right to vote because you protested. The law that says you can't vote if you're a felon has been a law for quite some time. You see what they're doing. The new law also slaps a mandatory 45 day sentence for aggravated rioting, boosting the fine for blocking highway access to emergency vehicles and enhances the punishment for aggravated assault against a first responder to a class C felony. You know, they already have the power to arrest these people and charge them. 
So why are they increasing the, the, the penalties for them instead of just arresting them and prosecuting them? This I do not like. You, you, can, you can have the cops arrest them and they're locked up and misdemeanors can put them into jail for up to a year, I believe, in, in basically every jurisdiction. I'm not sure how the law works in Tennessee, but they can get arrested. I guess they're trying to say, if you do this, you will face multiple years in prison. Okay. Look, I got I got to be honest. Don't attack first responders. Don't block emergency vehicles. That's a given. But I don't like the idea that we're not enforcing the laws we have, so we need to make them draconian. The leader of the ACLU of Tennessee told the Associated Press, which was the first to report on the signing of the bill, that it would be observing enforcement of the law. We are very disappointed in Governor Lee's decision to sign this bill, which chills free speech, undermines criminal justice reform, and fails to address the very issue of racial justice and police violence raised by protesters who are being targeted. You know what? Y'all almost got me swearing, but I despise the ACLU 100%. I used to be a big fan. I once fundraised on their behalf at a nonprofit, raising money, going to people saying, hey, the ACLU, man, they're awesome. They believe in free speech. Don't you? No, the ACLU is a racist organization. They've, they've, they've adopted outright racism. So I am not a fan of their pathetic, just duplicitous statement here. They don't support free speech. They say, while the governor often speaks about sentencing reform, the bill contradicts those words and wastes valuable taxpayer funds to severely criminalize dissent. The bill passed the General Assembly after almost two months of sustained protests outside the state capitol, where demonstrators have been calling for racial justice reforms in the aftermath of George Floyd, the George Floyd incident. Lee and state, uh, Lee and state Republicans have defended the legislation, pointing to fires that were set inside and outside the courthouse in May though Lee has acknowledged there were portions of the bill that he would have done differently. If somebody sets a fire to a state building, you can already charge them with a felony, with a felony. That's arson. So why do this now to scare people? Perhaps I don't like it. I don't like it. In Portland, the police, the state police retreated. They straight up retreated. And now we get this major brawl. And what comes next? The draconian law. Two years ago, that's what I said. The far left is going to do this. It's going to result in a right wing surge. And many other people's, people have made similar predictions. One individual, we, we had this tweet thread basically saying that if the far left keeps coming out, then you will see right wing groups come out. The media will then smear the right wing groups as fascists, as white supremacists and all these awful things. And they're already doing it. The Proud Boys, the right wing groups who showed up in Portland, the Patriot groups, many of them are not necessarily affiliated with anything other than they're Americans, they're, they're conservative or libertarian. Some of them are Proud Boys for sure. And that's some, some type of affiliation. But already the Daily Mail is calling it an alt-right group. I'm going to tell you what you're going to get with bills like this. Take a look at what's going on in, in, in Chicago. This is a tweet from Elijah Schaefer. Unconstitutional. He says, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot used police to block me and at from Kalen from filming on a public street while covering a controversial story about her. We were then accused of being a threat to the mayor and told to leave just for filming outside. You know who I blame for this? You know, you know, you know, you, you know who should be arrested and charged with a crime or at least fired, at least fired the cop, the cop right there. He's the criminal. That cop is corrupt. And I believe he should be stripped of all authority. He should be fired immediately. No questions. Fire him now. We have him on video violating the Constitution. End of story. My understanding is that these cops swore an oath to uphold the Constitution. Maybe police don't do that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a cop. So 
But I'll tell you this. The First Amendment, freedom of the press shall not be infringed. The right to peaceably assemble not be not be infringed. But the mayor of Chicago orders these people to break the law and they do it with a smile on their face. They'll break the law. Now, I'm not stupid enough to say all cops are bad and we must defund the police like the extremists on the left. But I'm not stupid enough to lick the boots of cops who are violating constitutional rights of journalists. It's the same thing I said during Occupy. It's the same thing I've said throughout every year I've covered on the ground protests. When you see this, you are seeing corrupt police. In New York City, you know what they would do during Occupy? The cops would walk up and go, uh, dude, that's a frozen zone. That's what they, they, they invented, frozen zones. And they would tell me and many others, you can't stand there. And I'd say, BS. I have a right to peaceably assemble. You have no right to tell me that the street is now frozen. That's what they would do. And they'd arrest you. And you can't do anything about it. I actually filmed a guy, a photographer, who was standing on the sidewalk. This is, this is a true story. He was trying to show the police side of the ongoing conflict between Occupy Wall Street and the cops. He was standing on the sidewalk when a female, uh, I believe it was a female officer, arrested him and, and, and lied, lied on the police report saying that this guy was standing in the street. He's lucky though. You know why? I was live streaming the whole thing inadvertently. I didn't know who I was filming. Or I was just filming. I was like, Here, here's what's happening. They walked up to him. They arrested him. And in court, they used my footage to prove the police lied. Now, did the officer who lied under oath get any penalty, get in trouble at all? No. Yes, corrupt cops exist. Yes, there are problems. That's why I am all about reform, because I'm not a moron who thinks you can get rid of the police. But that's what these people are saying. Just get rid of all of them. But you know what? I tell you what, I was talking to a friend of mine and she lives in a very nice suburb, a, a very nice rural area. And they've got a very bad police department, she tells me. She says they don't do anything. They don't protect anybody. All they do is go around giving bunk tickets to people. And that's why they all got to go. She's like, so many people I know get pulled over for nonsense and get, and get these fines. They don't, have the, they don't have the time to leave work to go and, and fight them in court. So they just pay them and they're sick of it. So they want to abolish their police department. That's kind of crazy to me. It really is, especially considering they live in a blue state where it's very difficult to own a gun. And you don't have as much, you know, you don't, you don't have the rights to self-defense like you do in certain red states. And that's when I said, you know what? Fine. All right. Here's the deal. Abolish all the police straight up, but re- rescind, revoke, abolish all gun laws, gun ownership laws. Everybody, Second Amendment, full swing, baby. You go out, you protect yourself. I'm not serious about this. I can understand why my friend is angry with this garbage police department, as she says, I don't have that problem. The, where I live, we don't have that problem. The cops, the cops in my area are, are really cool. And they've, they've, they've helped me out a couple times. I've, I've talked to them, you know, at, at various instances where I had to go in for just like general paperwork stuff, like, you know, getting my firearms ID and getting it filled out. And, uh, you know, sometimes bureaucratic, but no big deal. But this made me angry. This video from Elijah Schaefer of this cop being like, Duh, you can't stand here, even though it's, it's illegal for him to do this. What's, what do you, what's it going to do? You know, the challenge, the problem is Elijah would have to say no, get arrested and then file a lawsuit against him. Most people aren't willing to go through this. Most people want to avoid the conflict, the confrontation. Here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm trying to get to. We need police 100%. I think we can reform police in, in, in a certain way. 
And, and that typically refers to adding more funding for new training and having potentially like they, they talk about social workers and stuff like that. But New York City has community police, maybe something like that, where they're, they're, they don't do the same job. They respond to certain things. You have 311. These, these things have been implemented. We need more funding for better training. We need police officers to uphold their oath to the Constitution. And we also need to guarantee that if a cop like this breaks the law, he gets fired. Now I know, I know a lot of people are going to say, Tim, you don't understand because that cop doesn't necessarily know who you are, what you're doing, and he needs to protect the mayor's house from perceived, you know, say death threats or something. And that's why he's there. Sure. Constitution supersedes that. I'm sorry. Freedom above security. That's it. I have a right to film, to go on the street more than she has a right to be secure. My rights, my freedoms, my constitutional rights to the press and free speech and assembly are above her rights to feel secure. We must err on the side of freedom. This right here is how we devolve into saying it's better to have security. No. And that cop is responsible for it. I'm not going to play these games where pe- I'm sick and tired of watching people lick the boots of cops. Now, the left will say you're a bootlicker because you're supporting the police shutting down the riots. No, no, no. A bootlicker is not someone who says, thank you, police officer, for enforcing law and shutting down these criminals. A bootlicker is somebody who says, thank you, officer, for taking my weapon away from me, disarming me while rioters are coming to my house. If these if these riots are not stopped by these leftists, you will get draconian laws like we're seeing in Tennessee. And then you will get cops who are going to be like, I don't know, man, it's just a law. So, you know, uh, uh, shut your mouth and come out of your house. We're sending you to the gulags. That's how it starts. I don't know if we'll actually get to that point. I actually think it, it, we, we may end up just seeing, you know, they shut down the riots. But what you got to understand about all these laws is they will be unevenly enforced, like we're seeing in Chicago. Why is it? And I believe Elijah Schaefer may have, may have mentioned this. Why is it that all the places where there was looting and rioting, there's no cops there saying you can't assemble here, but the mayor's house, they will use these laws to protect themselves. And we must be careful about this. Freedom is the most important thing, but we need to respect law enforcement when they're actually trying to do their jobs, like actually stop criminals, not violate the Constitution. What Lori Lightfoot is doing is extremely illegal. It is straight up. Bill de Blasio is doing the same. They're all doing it. And the cops just gleefully say, I don't know, man, just whatever the boss tells me, you know, so I'm going to go and uh, arrest somebody for no, for who didn't break, who didn't break the law. You're not going to enjoy it if this continues. And someone's, someone's got to, got to, got to stop. Look, these cops have been going around enforcing unconstitutional edict during the COVID lockdown and conservatives have been freaking out about it. I find it, I find it surprising. I'm not going to support these people. I'm, I'm about freedom. I'll leave it there. Okay. The riots are getting worse. You, that, that's my two cents. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The story of Atlas Jim is a long one. They defied the state lockdown order. They eventually got barred from their own building. They kicked the door in. They've lost their business license. They are being threatened with imprisonment, but they refuse to back down. And now, perhaps in one of the most clever ways, they will remain open. They lost their business license. They can't even operate until now. New Jersey gym owners partner with GOP Senate campaign to keep business open. That's right. It's a political campaign rally every day now at the gym. My friends, 
we actually have a real resistance, not this phony anti-Trump resistance garbage where they're super wealthy, you know, celebrities who just hate Trump for whatever random reason the media told them to hate him for today. Now I'm talking about real people who are saying you cannot, you cannot violate my constitutional rights. It's not just this gym. I kind of feel bad. I feel like this other story should be getting a lot more attention or at least comparable attention. It's our right to earn a living. Defiant New Jersey diner couple uses GoFundMe donations to pay off their $1,000 tickets for letting customers eat inside. Once again, people are standing up to these draconian laws and unconstitutional edict, and they're being attacked by the state for doing so. It's not just here. It's also in New York. New York City restaurant owner. Restaurants will not survive the year with de Blasio dismissing indoor dining. It will devastate us. And you see, that's why this couple in New Jersey is saying we are going to remain open. And now hundreds gather outside City Hall calling for defunding de Blasio. People are starting to stand up. They're doing it in clever ways and they're doing it directly. Direct protest, direct you know, civil disobedience. But this right here, the first story we're going to talk about, possibly one of the smartest we've seen. You may have seen that viral video where Donald Trump was giving a press conference and one of these journalists, I'll do air quotes, says that the people there to visit Trump at his golf course weren't, you know, wearing masks or, or I'm sorry, they, they, were, they weren't social distancing. And Trump said, it's a, it's a peaceful protest. And this lit up the internet because tr- I don't think Trump was trying to be funny when he said it. I said, look, they know the media is coming. They're here in defiance and men, and they're all wearing masks. But they tried dragging Trump supporters Meanwhile, they, they support all of the ongoing riots and protests. And it's, it's like clockwork. These people don't have an original thought in their head. Whatever the media says, they just follow along with. I'll tell you what. I recently had Brandon Strzok on the show, the founder of the Walk Away campaign. And he talked about getting into it with a flight attendant over his mask. And I simply said, I'd have just worn the mask. I think you should have worn the mask. And he had no problem laughing about it. And even though I was like, I, you know, we, we have a clear difference of opinion on a lot of issues. We had a fine time talking about these things and ending in disagreement. I think he's a good dude. I think it was fun. On the left, they, they don't seem to have that for the most part. I'm not saying everybody's perfect, but the way I describe it is inverse proportions. Whatever the right is right now, I'm doing air quotes because it's a larger coalition of like liberals and conservatives and to right libertarian. There is a willingness to have a conversation and end on disagreement, but still remain civil and hang out, have pizza and beers. On the left, they'll scream in your face. They'll cancel you. They canceled their own. Obama himself called it a circular firing squad. So anyway, I digress. You can see this phenomenon happening. Whatever is going on now, this is the real resistance. Okay, they call themselves the resistance. It's dumb. Let's read about how people are actually resisting unconstitutional edict. New Jersey gym owners partner with GOP Senate campaign to keep business open. Embattled Atlas gym owners Ian Smith and Frank Trombetti partnered with a local political candidate running for the U.S. Senate in an effort to keep the state of New Jersey from closing their gym. Atlas gym is now a designated campaign rally. I'm clapping and volunteer location for Rick Meta for Senate in New Jersey. Smith and Trombetti revealed early Friday night. All members are invited to join us in exercising their rights by coming to the facility to volunteer their time, donate and participate in activities, they said. Two days after the Belmar, New Jersey gym was fined nearly $130,000 for repeatedly defying Governor Phil Murphy's executive order to stay closed during the COVID-19 pandemic. Rick Mehta, a GOP Senate candidate challenging Senator Cory Booker, joined forces with the gym owners. 
I'm gonna tell you something, man. Joe Biden, he said it straight up that if he gets elected, we're locking the country down. Everyone's gonna wear a mask. So if you want the shutdown to go on, by all means, vote for Joe Biden. And that's what he's betting on. Democrats in big cities panicked and just saying, shut it all down. Even though Italy, seeing a spike says, now nah, we're not shutting down. Even though Spain is reticent to shut down. Americans are, 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 are at least the left. They're hysterical over this. We've done the best we could. Let's all take a chill pill and figure out the best way to, to bring people's lives back. Otherwise, it's going to get particularly devastating with 30 to 40 million evictions. And it's already getting bad. They say Smith told the Washington Examiner, the state of New Jersey has been notified of this designation. Any fines levied or attempt to barricade our doors would now be a political interference with an active Senate campaign, he said in a statement. Rick Meta has been one of the only political figures in New Jersey to show his support for the rights of small businesses where others have spoken. Support Rick has uh, others have spoken. Support Rick has uh, shown uh, support. Rick has shown action. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Meta, a biotech entrepreneur, lauded their union, saying in a press release, our campaign will begin holding daily political rallies by those members who volunteer on our campaign at the Atlas Gym location in Belmar. My campaign is rooted in supporting the hardworking people of New Jersey and saving the small businesses that are the backbone of our economy, both here in New Jersey and across our great country. Atlas Gym began its legal fight with the, uh, with the state when it reopened in May, and Trombetti and Smith challenged whether Murphy's order for non-essential businesses to remain closed was constitutional. Trombetti and Smith insist that they have taken proper social distancing precautions to keep their clients safe. And I, I'm, I'm just going to come on and say it. I don't, I don't view this for the most part as a stunt. I really don't. Think about it. Rick Meta wants to prove to the people of New Jersey he's in favor of small business. So setting up a campaign office at a very high profile area is just good politics. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of people on the left saying it's a loophole and they're endangering people. I, I think it's actually, it's a, it's, it's, you know, two birds with one stone. It's a win-win. Of course, it allows Atlas to remain open. It sends a message. But in reality, the, the owners of Atlas have every uh, reason to support Rick Meta, who's supporting them. He's a politician. They clearly want to win. He supports small businesses. So instead of letting this just shut down, he sh he's probably literally turning it into a campaign rally. Brilliant, brilliant play. I mean, I, I was not familiar with Rick Meta. Now I am. And you know how I feel about the lockdowns, the unconstitutional edict. There's no room. There's no room for anybody to figure out how to navigate this. There was one story that was going around a while ago where a guy actually at his restaurant created isolated bubbles where people could sit outside in a bubble and it got shut down. They told him to remove it. I don't know where it was or whatever, but the point is at many places in the U.S., you could say something like we have proper social distancing and we'll be outside. They shut him down anyway. There was a lady in New Jersey. She was live streaming from her show, from, from her store online after hours. And the cops came in and said, you got to shut down. You got you to close. And she goes, we are closed. No, you can't live stream and sell products. How does that have anything to do with COVID? That's the problem. That's what we need to talk about. Hey, man, look, I'm all in favor of, you know, public health and safety measures. I think it's important people follow the law. I understand civil disobedience. I think wearing a mask is fine. But if there is no opportunity to navigate this crisis, then the only option is draconian edict. Ah, no, you're going to get resistance then. Here's the press release. Atlas Gym Owners Join Meta Finance Committee for immediate release. Quote, today I am proud, and this is from the 21st, mind you, I am proud to announce that the owners of Atlas Gym, Ian Smith and Frank Trombetti, 
have joined the Rick Meta for U.S. Senate Campaign Finance Committee. Effective immediately, our campaign will begin holding daily political rallies by those members who volunteer on our campaign at the Atlas Gym location in Belmar. My campaign is rooted in supporting the hardworking people of New Jersey and saving the small businesses that are the backbone of our economy, both here in New Jersey and across the great country, our great country. Our constitutional rights are sacred to all Americans and elected officials who believe the Bill of Rights are above their pay grade degrade the American dream. We will continue to be a loud vocal voice for those who have been silenced and treated unfairly by overreaching politicians. I stand shoulder to shoulder with Ian, Frank, and all the hardworking, dedicated small business owners who just want a fair shake, and I will continue to fight alongside all of them. Together, we will make New Jersey a place to live, not leave. Come join us every day from now until Election Day to join our political workout fundraisers and at the same time exercise your First Amendment rights. Stand up in defense of our fellow citizens, our Constitution, and our great nation, and together, let's be Jersey proud. And then for more information, they have their, their email address, amazing. Absolutely amazing. If Black Lives Matter and political rallies are allowed, well, then so is this. And they're going to be having fundraiser workout sessions. It works. It's legitimate. It's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's, it's legit. You've got, you've got this political issue. The Democrats are coming after this business. The Republican is stepping in. It is overtly political. And what they're doing absolutely makes sense. I got to say, Rick met a brilliant move coming in. I don't know who reached out to who, but I got to tell you, man, that that is I'm just I'm in awe about how smart this this is. But look, it's not just uh, Atlas Gym. I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see if Rick Meta will start going to other businesses and turn them all into designated campaign rally uh, offices or whatever. Take a look at this. It's our right to earn a living. There's another New Jersey couple. Here's a photo. Brian and Debbie Brindisi who own Lakeside Diner in New Jersey, have continued to defy state orders and local police in order to allow indoor dining. They say the owners of a New Jersey diner have continued to to defy state orders and local police in order to allow indoor dining. Debbie said they immediately went to uh, to the establishment where they found deputies from the Ocean County Sheriff's Office, a locksmith, and the Lacey Township Police. Wow. Look at this. Locksmiths showed up. She said they were in the process of changing the locks when her husband, Brian, managed to get inside. By 7 a.m., the Brandises had opened their restaurant to diners inside and outside the business. According to NJ.com, the couple have opened their doors to indoor dining since June in order to stay financially afloat amid the coronavirus pandemic. So what do you think happens now? When you see these other businesses, will see Atlas Gym and they'll see this diner. How many small businesses are saying right now, I'm losing money. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my car. I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to get evicted. I can't pay my bills. My power will get shut off. What's going to happen? And then they see these other businesses are opening up, finding ways to keep making money. Now, the fines, of course, are meant to hold them down. You can't make money if, there's, if the government is trying to steal it from you as soon as you do with fines and tickets. But I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet a lot of people are going to say no dice and they're going to start engaging in this. Now, I am absolutely not saying anyone should. That's not the point. I actually think, you know, it's a rock and a hard place and optics are important. We got an election season right now. I'm not going to tell anybody what to do, but I will say it is brilliant what Rick Meta is doing for sure. And the reason I bring up the election season is that optics matter. I mean, to be fair, there's probably a lot of people in New Jersey who are mad about this. We'll see who wins in the end. But it is a political play. It is a political issue. So I'll leave it at that. Let's read more. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy indefinitely banned indoor dining in late June 
after seeing spikes in other states driven by, in part, the return of indoor dining. As a result, businesses in the state have to rely on outdoor seating and delivery and to-go orders. Debbie also shared images of the locksmith outside their restaurant saying, you would think that they wouldn't because they're trespassing. But I guess because it was an executive order from our wonderful governor, they didn't want to do it, but they're doing their jobs as well. I don't care. I don't care if you're a locksmith. I don't care if you're a plumber. I don't care if you're a groundskeeper. Don't go on other people's property if you're if, if, if at, at the behest of an unconstitutional edict. This is dangerous, man. You know, I was ragging on uh, on some of these cops just in the last segment, the ones that are, fo- are are pushing unconstitutional orders from executives. You can't do it. And if we if we inch down this path, it's just it's just going to be bad. I'll just put it that way. It's scary to me because we are because people are accepting that anybody can just defy what is absolutely uh, th- th- uh, what is legal. They just d- do illegal things. The governor has no right to do what he's doing. Absolutely not. But here we are. Now, this couple has a, has a GoFundMe for Lakeside Diner. They raised $1,240 and they used that to pay off their fine. This was back in June 7th. But I want to show you something. And then we're going to go outside of New Jersey. Look at this. This is from today. Italy rules out new lockdown as coronavirus cases rise. Really? The Italian government is not considering new lockdown, a new lockdown to curb coronavirus infections. Health Minister Roberto Speranza said in a newspaper interview on Sunday despite a steady rise in new cases over the past month. Italy was one of the worst hit. On Saturday, reported 1,071 new cases, exceeding 1,000 cases in a day for the first time since the government eased its rigid lockdown. We will not have a new lockdown, he said. Speranza told the Daily Newspaper, saying, the current situation cannot be compared to February or March when the disease was spreading out of control and it was difficult to track and isolate infected people. I am optimistic, although prudent, our National Health Service has become much stronger. Speranza added that Italy has doubled the number of beds in intensive care units. The number of new infections remains considerably lower, blah, 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 we get it. Italy's not locking down. Did you know that many of these emergency hospitals that were set up were never used? I think we saw something very serious, but I think we, we did it. We should be happy about this. So what I can't stand about the left. You see, I'm absolutely in favor of social policy. The way I described it the other night on the IRL podcast is, if we set up a social program to teach people how to fish and then cast them off to go fish, like, there you go, you can go do your thing. You're empowering people to empower themselves. If you create a program where you give people fish, then they're not empowered to do anything by themselves. They become dependent upon you. And that's probably the goal. What we need are people to be responsible for themselves. But here's, here's the main point. We did it. We succeeded. The left doesn't want to acknowledge a program is working or failing because they want to maintain that program. They want to maintain that power. They don't want someone to to learn how to fish. They want to be the fish provider so that they have that person forever. That's what we're seeing now with COVID. The perfect opportunity to be in charge of everything forever. No, we came together. We, we, We locked everything down to slow the spread. We did have some hospitals overrun. We had many that weren't. That just means we did it. We, we did it. Congratulations, everybody. Round of applause. We all came together. We all agreed. And now, even though some cases are rising, many are asymptomatic. The death count is going way down and hospitalization is way down. It's, it's, I mean, we succeeded. Shouldn't we now congratulate everybody for slowing the spreads, you know, uh, uh, flattening the curve? And now we have to accept it's time to reopen. At what point do we reopen? They've changed the narrative. 
the media we used to say only for 15 days, two weeks. And now it's what, six months, 157 or whatever days or more 160. I have no idea. Now it's about stopping COVID outright permanently. Well, it seems like they're just strangling as many businesses as possible. In New York, I showed you this. They say New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio admitted Friday he has no plan to reopen indoor dining anytime soon. So restaurant owners like Massimo Felici are banding together to consider filing a class action lawsuit against the mayor. I mean, the worrying thing to me is that what we're going to see is a breakdown in confidence of government, meaning these people might just start opening their businesses and saying, I don't care. What are the cops going to do? They would be overwhelmed. They wouldn't be able to do anything about it. I'm curious, you know, a class action lawsuit. Why does that matter? What the, what the mayor is doing is outright illegal. If the cops are going to be going around committing crimes, then what is anyone supposed to do about it? At a certain point, Trump may have to send in federal authorities to stop the crimes from being committed by the local government and the police. You know, I hear a lot of people say to me, well, you can't really blame the cops. They're just doing what they're told. <laughs> I absolutely can blame them. You better know for sure whether or not you're committing an illegal action. They say ignorance of the law is no excuse for breaking it. And that goes for anybody, cop included. Now, again, I always say this, I'm not stupid enough to say defund the police, but I certainly don't think the police should just be saying, OK, de Blasio, whatever you say, I'll go and break the law for you. That's called corrupt cops. They get paid. They say, I want money. I need the money for my family, so I'll do illegal things. OK, dude, that's called being corrupt. I get it. Many of these cops just have no idea what's going on. And don't be surprised when you actually have feds show up and start arresting you. I doubt it'll happen. But these cops absolutely are breaking the law. We've been seeing it for a long time. These businesses, you, you may actually see a loss of confidence in government, and that would be a very, very bad thing. I personally have no confidence in Bill de Blasio. I think he's run the city into the ground and doesn't care because he can't be reelected. And that's about it. But people are standing up. I want to act like it's nobody or nothing's going on. Defund de Blasio. Hundreds gather outside City Hall to protest the mayor. They say they can't stand de Blasio's policies on school openings, homelessness, crime, bail reform, small business and, uh, and street protest looters. But most of all, they can't stand him. Some 300 anti de Blasio protesters more than attended uh, more than attended many of his and her presidential campaign events gathered in front of City Hall Park on Saturday to demand he either fix things or step down. And if you cannot do that, organizer Scott Lebido told the crowd, we call on Governor Cuomo because we know you can't stand this man either. Rid us of this human waste of a mayor. The protesters carried signs reading step down de Blasio, defund de Blasio and hey de Blasio, F me, no F you. They shouted, lock him up and impeach him now and blared twisted sisters. We're not going to take it. Excellent choice of a song. They shouted, lock him up and impeach him now. Oh, I read that. I'm sorry. A highlight of the rally was when Libido, who is also an artist, pulled a sheet off uh, a sheet off of his hand painted portrait of Hisner, unveiling it to the crowd entitled A-Hole. The portrait depicted the rear end of a donkey. Look what he's done to this city, agreed Sergeant Sergeant's Benevolent Association Vice President Vinnie Vallelong. He's gone through three police commissioners. None of you should be worried about your parents, grandparents, uh, none of uh, or even children going to any store to get bread, milk and having to worry about them getting assaulted with gun violence. Murders are up in the city. Burglaries are up. Grand larceny. Nothing. He's doing nothing. Assemblywoman Nicole Mal- uh, Maliotakis from Brooklyn, Staten Island, our Brooklyn, Staten Island, who once ran against de Blasio, cracked, don't blame me. I didn't vote for him. It breaks my heart to see this city being destroyed, she said. It breaks my heart to see what our mayor is doing on every front. This is the real resistance. 
not some some dumb celebrity on Twitter with a blue check complaining that the orange man is bad. These people are talking about their cities being destroyed, overrun with crime, people having their lives destroyed by a callous mayor who is siphoning taxpayer money for personal gain. Bill de Blasio, in my opinion, is a criminal, is corrupt and needs to be impeached. And I think he should be indicted. You see what he did with the Black Lives Matter in the street. I'll say it a million times. He did not have the right to do that. That was at taxpayer expense with no permit, sending out police like private security. That is corruption to no end. He treats New York like it's his and he lets everyone else suffer. I don't think we should be standing for that. So I'm glad to see people uh, protesting and standing up. And I'm glad to see clever ways that people are going about defending their businesses because these these Democrats have no right to do what they're doing. Christy Nome is going to be speaking at the RNC because she did right. Now, I get it. South Dakota doesn't have the population that New York does, but she resisted the media smears demanding she lock everything down. And now the state's doing pretty well. New York doesn't care about what's true and what's right. It's Bill de Blasio saying, I won't take responsibility for anything. So just keep it locked down. I don't care. I can't be reelected anyway because of term limits. And Bill de Blasio is siphoning off money for himself. Something's got to be done. I don't know what it is, but hopefully, hopefully this wakes people up and they vote him out. Some people are suggesting that New York is going to turn red. I would not be surprised. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net. Stick around and I will see you all then. I mentioned this story in my main segment over at YouTube.com slash TimCast. Check it out if you haven't. But ladies and gentlemen, they got him. A viral video shows two women assaulting a family and stealing a MAGA hat from a seven-year-old boy. They have been arrested. At least two women have. I believe it was two women involved. Let's read the story. And then I want to give you another update because there was there was a story that didn't really make the unrest portion of my main video. A lot of people may have missed this story, but there was there were clashes and a Trump supporter was assaulted in in California in uh, uh, somewhere in the L.A. area, I believe. But let's let's read the story from W.D.E.L. Interestingly, I could find very few sources covering this story. They say police make second arrest in theft of Maghat outside of Democratic Convention in Wilmington. Wilmington police have arrested a 21 year old woman. They said assisted in the theft of a seven year old child's MAGA hat outside the Democratic National Convention in Wilmington. Police arrested Cameron Amy on August 22nd, 2020, a day after Olivia M. Winslow was arrested and charged in connection to the same incident, which occurred in the 600 block of Justin Street, uh, Justison Street, and went viral after a video of the exchange was posted on social media. Video circulated on social media by Students for Trump, showing two women alleged by authorities to be Amy and Winslow tearing up Trump signs and stealing a red Make America Great Again hat sitting on the ground next to a young boy. The video shows the boy crying and his mother egging the child on to get your hat back. Now, I'll just right away say, if you got crazy ladies stealing your stuff and, you know, stealing stuff from your kid, I'm, I'm sorry, man, you're going to have to get that back. I don't, I don't like the idea of her telling her kid to go do it. But more importantly, I'm not going to drag her over this. I'm going to drag the two people who literally did it. Okay, you steal from kids. That's creepy. Leave people alone. Stop harassing them. You can see the tweet here from Benny Johnson. He says moments ago, the DNC uh, outside of the DNC, Joe Biden supporters attack a seven year old boy. He was attacked simply because he wore a Trump hat. His name is Riley. Watch it happen. Listen to him cry. Will Joe condemn this violence against children? Court records obtained by WDEL report 
The victim telling police Amy forcefully snatched a political sign from her. And while Winslow stole the MAGA hat and handed it to her alleged accomplice, Winslow is also accused of knocking a hat off an adult woman's head. As the victim's seven-year-old son went to retrieve the hat off the ground, Amy allegedly attempted to stomp on the hat, but stomped on the boy's hand, according to statements in court records. Wow. The little boy wasn't hurt, but did begin to cry. Amy was accused of punching a third victim, a man, in the face, resulting in a small laceration to his lip, which caused him substantial pain. The victim told police in court records. Amy then allegedly threw the MAGA over a fence and struck the adult woman in the face with a closed fist, which did not result in injury, court records said. Amy is facing the same charges as Winslow, first degree robbery, second degree conspiracy, and endangering the welfare of a child, along with an additional two counts of offensive touching. She was committed to the Dolores J. Baylor Women's Correctional Institution in lieu of $45,000 secured bond. Bravo. Arrest these people, man. Shut it down. This stuff's not going to stop until these people are, 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 are held responsible for what they do. I did not know she stomped on the little boy's hand. Wow. They have no shame. They don't. Well, there you go. You can see their faces. I hope it was worth it. You crazy. Yeah, you lunatics. All right. Now they're going to be in jail. But check this out. Police fire rubber bullets declare unlawful assembly as Trump protesters face off in Tahunga. They say pro-Trump demonstrators and counter-protesters from Black Lives Matter squared off on the street in Tonga Friday, leading police to fire rubber bullets, officials said. Everybody's focused on Portland right now. And all these leftists are spreading fake news. They're like, the police won't intervene when the, when the Proud Boys are here in Portland. But as soon as the Proud Boys leave, they come after Antifa. The police have been facing off with Antifa nonstop. You get large groups of people clashing. And what, what are the police necessarily well, what are they supposed to do? So the left is complaining about it, saying that it's unfair. The Proud Boys, I, I saw a tweet. I can't remember who it was from. It might have been Mike Cernovich, but I don't know. It was uh, Proud, Proud Boys are exclusively a threat to Black Lives Matter extremists and Antifa. But Antifa and the Black Lives Matter rioters are a threat to literally everyone. This is why when you see these rallies, the cops have their backs to the Trump supporters these people don't seem to get it. There's a reason why the cops feel safe turning their back to the, the Trump supporters of the Proud Boys, because they're not attacking people. They're defending themselves. Sometimes, however, the right wing groups do engage Antifa, but it's only Antifa. It's only the far left extremists. You walk down the street, see a Proud Boy, the worst thing's going to happen is they're going to yell Trump 2020 or something. Not the far left. They say police arrived to the area of Foothill Boulevard near Lowell Avenue around 3 p.m. to disperse a large crowd, according to the LAPD. Aerial video from Sky 5 showed several protesters staring each other down and engaging in skirmishes around 5 p.m. As the Trump supporters were demonstrating on the sidewalk, approximately 200 counter protesters arrived and both groups began to clash with one, with one another. The department said in a news release at some point during the altercation, a counter protester struck a Trump supporter with a pipe while officers were attempting to arrest the person for an assault with a deadly weapon. A second counter protester began to interfere, police said. Ultimately, both were taken into custody. Bravo, police officers. An unlawful assembly was declared and both groups were advised to disperse, according to the department. Protesters then started throwing objects at officers trying to clear the area, which resulted in the use of less lethal munitions. Both groups started to disperse around 6 p.m. A woman who identified herself only as Randy said she helped organize the event from the pro-Trump side. 
She said a couple of veterans and others who live in the area had been setting up with Blue Lives Matter signs and Trump flags every Friday for several months, and it had remained nonviolent until recently. Once it got a lot of publicity, others, uh, suppo- uh, other supposed Trump groups started claiming it was their event showing up and starting to fight. We don't know who a lot of these people are. Our goal is to get uh, the egos out of the way. She said the group tried obtaining permits for Friday's event, but had not obtained them. Now, in this story, to be fair, while there was a Trump supporter struck with a pipe, it is very, very different from these two women literally attacking a seven year old and stomping on his hand. I'm not going to condone people, you know, showing up and getting into fights, but typically it is the far left that does it. And now we can see we can see that there's, you know, look, among the far left, I think there's no shame. As I mentioned a moment ago, obviously, Trump supporters are not a threat to anybody but the far left. And if the far left leaves them alone, there is no conflict. I've seen it firsthand. They show up to my events. They show up to people's events. I had an event in Philly. They show up. They threaten to burn things down. They will target anyone and everyone. They literally called Daryl Davis at my event, one of the most renowned, like literal anti-racist. He de-radicalized over 200 clans, but they called him a white supremacist. What, what worries me is that among the right, okay, so, so this is not the worrying part. Among the right, you have a very specific group of people that are willing to go out and march. Most people don't do this. And maybe they should just march peacefully. But most people don't engage in this level of conflict. Among the left, they all do it. Okay, no, 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 not all of them. But it's like I was saying in many other segments, inverse proportionality. Of 100% of the right wing, about 20% will actually go out, march, and a smaller faction will actually start fights. Among the left, 80% will go out starting fights if they happen upon it. And that's about it. Not all of them will riot, but many of them will go out and protest. Of the ones that do, they're all willing to engage in some kind of mob violence, or at the very least, protect those who would. Like we have seen in Portland now, 87 days, I guess. I don't know. I lost track of the days, but that's what they do. You see, when it comes to the story of this little boy, these two women are not Antifa. They were just there for Biden. They're just insane. It is all of the left. Okay, okay, let me walk that back. I tried to avoid getting too far into it, like going too, uh, exaggerating too much. No, the the propensity for violence, the, the potential for violence exists within almost all of these people. These are not Antifa. They were just at the DNC and they decided to attack a seven year old boy. You go to a Trump rally, they're not going to attack anybody. Now, there's a small group that might go out and, and start fights. You know, like we saw with the Proud Boys in New York City, they were putting on an event. Gavin McInnes, the founder, was speaking. Antifa showed up. Some of these dudes ran to an Antifa, uh, ran to attack Antifa. Now, to be fair, about a block away, Antifa beat and robbed a Proud Boy. The point is, there are very few people on the right willing to even go out and protest let alone speak up. Why? Well, they have families, they have jobs, they don't have the time or they don't want to risk losing their jobs. And of the groups of the people that do, they're still not a threat to anybody. They try to conflate the, the worst extremists who go out with guns committing atrocities with regular right wing individuals. Even no, I'm, I'm sorry, it's just not the case. When you have two women for no reason, just attacking a seven year old, I mean, this has got to suggest to you that there's something wrong with whatever the left is. I don't think the left, I, th- I think there, there's been a big shift. And I, and I think what we're really seeing is that those who are more violent, who are unhinged and emotionally unstable are attracted to the left because they're not looking for anything to make sense and they don't want solutions. 
They just want the chaos. They want the, the violence and they want others to suffer. That's what we that's what we end up seeing. So that, then you get someone like me, many other former uh, liberal or disaffected liberals, and we say, no way, no way. I'm not going to I'm not going to support these people. That's nuts because all they want is destruction and there's no logic. There's no solutions behind what they do at the at, at least I can say of the Republicans, they have principles and not the, not all the politicians. I don't like the politicians, the voters. I mean, at least they have an idea about what they want to do and why they want to do it. The left. Nah, they just want to beat little kids, I guess. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up for you in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. For the love of all that is holy, please get your kids out of these schools because they're going to be indoctrinated with psychotic fringe cult like beliefs and literal racist ideology. It is no joke that the woman who wrote White Fragility is a racist. She literally calls herself one. We must stop taking our cues from those people. But now we're hearing Tennessee mom says parents asked to sign ridiculous waiver that they will not eavesdrop on kids online lessons. What are they trying to hide? What is the problem? Why won't they let us sit in? A mom tells Fox and Friends weekend. We know what they're doing. They're indoctrinating your kids. And if you find out, oh, no, you'll pull your kids out. Well, this needs to be spread around. Please, you guys, you need to tell people about this. Take a look at this. U.S. schools revamp curricula in response to Black Lives Matter. Why? Why? We want to teach kids math. We can teach them history based on a global perspective. That's fine. But they need to know American history. They need to understand who the founding fathers are, who our presidents are. No. They're not doing that. They're lying to kids and making these kids unhinged and indoctrinating them. We're not supposed to have religion in schools, man. But this is what they're doing. They just pretend like it's not a religion, but it is. Please get your kids out of these things. Look at this. A Tennessee school district is under fire for asking parents to sign a form agreeing not to eavesdrop on kids' virtual classes over concerns they could overhear confidential information. After significant pushback, Rutherford County Schools is allowing parents to tune in with permission from the teacher, with permission from the teacher, but they can't record the classes. It's ridiculous. It's so hypocritical because they've been data mining our children for years. Compliments of Common Core. Lori Cardoza Moore, founder of Proclaiming Justice to the Nation, said on Fox and Friends Weekend. What are they trying to hide? What is the problem? Why won't they let us sit in? The homeschool mom of five asked. Obviously, because they are teaching our children propaganda that they should not be teaching. They are trying to socialize our children. Okay, hold on. They are literally trying to socialize your children. I don't think it means what she thinks it means. They're trying to manipulate your kids. Social engineer, maybe. She added, we have, a, we have had a major problem in education, not just here in Tennessee, but across the country where they are indoctrinating our children with propaganda. Cardoza Moore questioned why the school would encourage parents to snitch on one another and what would happen if a parent violates the waiver? Does that mean somebody from the school district is going to knock on my door and pull my kid out of my home, his virtual classroom? Or is it going to be my tax dollars that fund my child's public education? My child won't get to participate in education because of it. The school district responded in a statement to Fox News. We are aware of the concern that has been raised about this distance, about this distance learning letter that was sent to parents. James Evans, communications director to, for Rutherford County School, said, Evans added, we have issued new guidance to new guidance to principals that uh, guidance to principals that parents can assist their children during virtual group lessons with permission of the instructor, 
but should refrain from sharing or recording any information about other students in the classroom. Cardoza Moore said this is because teachers are pushing social justice instead of reading, writing, and math. And they don't want to be held accountable to the parents. And this is a fact. They're doing it. We've seen it. We've seen the threads. They're saying straight up, they're not teaching your kids how to do multiplication, how to do addition or math. They're literally telling people on Twitter, two plus two can equal five. Maybe it just depends on your axioms. There's a reason why we have systems and languages. Did you know that the word run can mean 500 different things or whatever dumb argument you want to make? Just because different languages use different words doesn't mean that two plus two can equal five. It would be like saying, did you know that, you know, ombre can mean man or it could mean nothing because in English ombre means nothing. I get it. You want to change definitions. When we're talking about math, we are talking about a language, a set of ideas. These are things that describe things that exist. They're objective. What do you think is going to happen to your kid when they get out of school and they don't know how to do math? They're going to be dependent upon a system to do math for them. What, they, what these people don't realize is that ultimately you will just destroy everything because no one will know math eventually. And they'll all be, it'll be like idiocracy. They'll be jamming square pegs through round holes or at least trying to. Take a look at this from union leader. John Marshall keeps a picture of Brenna Taylor in his office at the headquarters of Kentucky's largest school district. A visual reminder, he says, of the need for curriculum changes that better honor and focus on black stories. What? Taylor, a black emergency medical te- technician. We know the story. They say no criminal charges for educators in Jefferson County and across the U.S., the deaths have jump-started demands for teaching materials and practices that help black students better understand their history and place in the country. After a summer of teacher workshops focused on updating curricula, millions, millions of students will return to U.S. classrooms in coming weeks, virtually or in person, that focus more on black history and experiences, according to interviews with teachers, officials, publishers, and others. I have no problem If you want to say something like Christopher Columbus did not discover America. In fact, he landed in the Bahamas. Yeah, that's just true. And the reason why he didn't discover America is because people were already here. We don't know who discovered America. It was a long time ago. You can can make that point. But there's a reason why we teach European history, because our country was founded based on uh, emigration from Europe to the United States. By all means, you can say Christopher Columbus didn't discover America. Leif Erikson did. In fact, he was here a long time ago. But there were, there were literally people here before. And I have no problem talking about that. That I think is fine. And then you say, from for us in the country that was built, here's what happened. I have no problem talking about indigenous history and black history and all that stuff. I think those things are great. That's not what they're doing. All of this is a disguise. It's a trick. What they're really saying is that Social, they're really pushing social justice, a fringe white supremacist ideology masked as anti-racism when it quite literally is racism. And they are telling us this. These people are overt white supremacists. I say overt because they're telling you. Robin D'Angelo wrote a book where she said she's uncomfortable around black people. She's, a, she's an avowed racist. That is not. I had Brandon Strzok on the podcast and he brought this up and he says, that's not normal. You're not supposed to like that's racism. You're a racist. She knows. She said she is. And she has convinced these well-to-do liberals to take her white supremacist ideology and infect our schools. They want your kids to be racists. They're trying to turn back the clock. They are reactionaries. They hate the fact 
That's so that real civil rights won in this country. They're not just doing it in schools. I'll mention this a million times. They're doing it in California. They're repealing civil rights law. They are changing the curriculum in schools to teach your kids about a cult-like ideology that has nothing to do with surviving in the world or preparing them to be a functioning member of our country. Now, now to be completely fair, I'm not a big fan of schools as it is. They don't teach you how to do finance or taxes. They expect you. You know, you know what I love about how our school system works? I remember when I got my first job and they were like, now you got to pay your taxes. And I was like, huh? What, what does that mean? You're just supposed to know. I don't know. What are you talking about? Just supposed to know. I mean, I, I'm supposed to know what H&R Block is. Nobody at school taught that. At least in my school, they were crummy, trash. Well, now it's going to be even worse. Not only do they not teach you how to, I don't know, maintain finances and get a job or start a business, which you need to know how to do to survive. They're indoctrinating kids with a fringe ideology based off of media, viral rage bait, garbage. Here's what we need to do. When you start freshman year, that should be like, I don't know, starting a business class or senior year of high school. Like, here's how you form an LLC. Here's how you file the paperwork to start your own company to start a business. Here's how you secure loans. These are things you need to do if you want to be independent and survive. But they're not fostering independence. And this is what I often say. What does it mean to be on the left? It means you're in favor of social programs like the government. We pull our resources together. We help people. I am, in fact, not this, though. I would love a program where it's like, we are going to help you learn to fish. We're not going to give you the fish. We're going to, go, we're going to put you in a school that teaches you how to start a business so that you take care of yourself. These schools, every, every day, every week, every month, every year, every decade, inch closer and closer towards making you dependent upon the system. That's what college is. College is the final nail in the coffin. This is why I hate, I hate, I think colleges are awful. We need to stop the student loan garbage. You see, not only have you been indoctrinated your whole life in institutionalized learning facilities, they're now injecting their religion into it. It's just another part of the process, I guess. But colleges literally make you an indentured servant. Take out this massive loan you'll never be able to pay back and you can't file bankruptcy on. That's where we're headed. Everybody's going to be massively in debt. They're going to demand the government save them, and they're going to have fringe cult-like ideologies, and they're starting to infect our government institutions. They're lying about our history. They're rewriting history. And now they're telling you, you don't get to know what your kids are hearing. They're brainwashing your kids. And then you see the sad stories. Kids turning against their parents, calling their parents racist and shutting them out, you know, to an extent. I blame the parents. Now, look, you got to know what your kids are doing. You got to pay attention to your kids. You got to be there for your kids. You got to teach them yourself. But it's, it's been an ongoing problem. I don't think it's a grand conspiracy. It's dominoes falling over. It's obvious. The parents are working. The kids are in the schools. The schools are dependent. The unions are dependent on government money. The unions have an interest in protecting what they want and how they get paid. And because they work for the government where they have no, there's, there's no hard requirement on deliverables, they're more likely to start falling towards the left and supporting government programs and demanding what, you know, demanding weird social justice issues. Watch your kids. Do, homeschool your kids, please. You know, you want to make sure they're getting socialized for sure. And, and, and what I mean is meeting other kids. But this is freaky stuff. I'll leave it there. One more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, we have gone through so much bad news. I know, I know you watch my segments and it's always something bad is happening. Sometimes it's positive. Sometimes there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But it's not just unique to me. It's just news in general. 
people aren't as inclined to look for stories that will lift them up because they're, they're concerned about problems they face in their everyday lives. So they want to be alert to potential threats. You see a new story about, you know, Antifa on the far left, and you want to watch it to make sure you know what's happening so you can be prepared to keep living comfortably should, there, should a problem arise. Well, my friends, today I have amazing news. This is the most optimistic thing you will ever hear. Fantastic. A giant meteor of death is headed to us. It's going to slam right in the earth on November 2nd, one day before the election. Oh, thank you, sweet meteor of death. I'm kidding, by the way. But the story is true. Uh, it's not guaranteed to hit us. But here's what here's the story. Will 2020 go out with a bang? Asteroid heading for Earth could hit the night before the 2020 presidential election. But don't worry, there's only a 0.041% chance. I'm pretty sure you have worse odds of winning the lottery. So that's actually kind of worrying that the odds are that high. On November 2nd, the day before the election, it may all come crashing down. And the meme about the sweet meteor of death may not be a joke. It may be a prediction. I don't think anything's going to happen. Just another story. Things like this happen relatively often. But hey, what do I know? They say it has a uh, a, 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 zero, a zero point. Oh, well, they got, they got the numbers wrong here. They say, but if it does enter the atmosphere, it is unlikely to cause damage as it's only 6.5 feet in diameter. Oh, well, you know what? What? You got my hopes up, Daily Mail, and now it turns out that the sweet meteor of death is actually tiny and it can't damage anything? Look at this picture. They make it look all big. That's about as big as a dude. I am disappointed. Well, fret not, my friends. Natural disasters are still upon us that can cause serious harm. And I'm going to get a little bit serious with this one. I I know the meteor thing is funny because I don't really think the meteor is going to hit us. And even if it did, it wouldn't be that bad. Now, but this is more serious. Now, I'm, I'm, I know you may have been laughing for a moment thinking, thank you, sweet meteor of death. And now we actually have a legitimate scary story. Louisiana, Cuba residents evacuate as twin storms take aim at U.S. coast. Now, this is really terrifying. I can make jokes all day and night about the meteor, but this one has me worried. So with all sincerity, I hope everybody's evacuating. I hope uh, uh, you're, you're safe and preparing for this. This is crazy. Have you heard about this double hurricane about to slam into Louisiana? Coastal residents in low-lying areas of Louisiana and Cuba were evacuating on Sunday while roads turned to rivers in Haiti's capital city as twin hurricanes threatened the Caribbean and U.S. Gulf Coast. Marco, which strengthened to a hurricane on Sunday and is forecast to hit the Louisiana coast on Monday, will be followed by tropical storm Laura over the Dominican Republic in Haiti and heading toward Cuba and expected uh, strengthen to a hurricane before striking the Gulf Coast on Thursday. That's right. Two category ones are going to slam into the Louisiana coast, the Gulf Coast. Hope you guys are ready for some flooding, man. Please, please take this seriously. At least three people died, including a mother and her seven-year-old son in the Dominican Republic due to collapsing walls. Laura left more than a million in the country without electricity, forced more people than a um, forced more than a thousand to evacuate and caused several homes along Isabella River to collapse. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards on Sunday warned the state's residents that tropical storm force winds would arrive by Monday morning and they should be ready to ride out both Marco and Laura. Wherever you are at, at, uh, at dark tonight is where, uh, where, you need to be, uh, where you need to be prepared to ride out these storms. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to passively mention something. This is not a direct promo like I normally do. But look, I often talk about when we see these crises you know, uh, escalating, emergency food supplies. 
And, you know, a, a lot of it had to do with the riots, the unrest, COVID. So I've got a couple buckets of emergency food. I'm not doing a promo. I'm just letting you know this is exactly why you want to make sure you have all the supplies you need. So seriously, go to the store now. If you live in these areas or near here, you want to make sure you have some extra food. You want to make sure you have extra water. Don't don't go in and rush at the last minute like all these people and, and start hoarding things. Just grab a little bit of what you need. This is why I have emergency food. It's it lasts for 25 years because storms happen, man. You know, a lot of people want to laugh because they think preppers are preparing for, you know, the meteor of death to come and slam into this into the earth or a solar storm to wipe everything out. And sure, maybe some of them. But I've talked I, I talked to some people in Arizona when it came to covid and I and I, you know, this lady told me they weren't worried at all about, you know, a lockdown or riots or shortages because they're preppers. They got they got like a three months, three month supply in their in their in their, you know, underground storage or whatever. And it's not because the meteor's coming. It's because sometimes it rains. It's really that simple. They say Laura could strengthen and become a category two or three hurricane and move west closer to the Houston Galveston area, bringing flooding rains late Wednesday or Thursday said Chris Kerr, a meteorologist and director of offshore forecasting for DTN, an energy, agriculture and weather data provider in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Videos on social media showed people wading waist deep in muddy water and some of the worst flooding the capital has seen in years. Haiti is especially vulnerable to intense rains due to shoddy infrastructure and deforestation, which increases the likelihood of landslides. Authorities called on residents along the Artibonite River to evacuate due to the risks uh, the Pellegree the hydroelectric dam might burst its banks. Wow, man. Haiti was the first to report a death from Laura, where a 10-year-old girl was killed when a tree fell on her home in the southern town of Anse a Petrus. I hope I'm pronouncing any of these words correctly. With hopes dashed that the mountains of Hispaniola would weaken the storm, Cuba scrambled on Sunday to prepare for Laura. Evacuations were underway in eastern parts of the Caribbean's largest island, where the storm was expected to strike Sunday evening bringing flooding before traveling along the entire island on Monday. Back-to-back hurricanes arriving at the U.S. coast within days could result in a prolonged period of hazardous weather. National Hurricane Center forecast, forecaster Stacy Stewart warned on Sunday. The Federal Emergency Management Agency has sent teams to emergency operation centers in state capitals in Louisiana and Texas, said spokesman Earl Armstrong. The agency is prepared to handle back-to-back storms. He said pointing to 2004 when four hurricanes took aim at Florida in a six-week period. So not necessarily unprecedented. I mean, kind of. It's, it's extremely rare. But uh, again, get your supplies. Do not joke about this. Officials in Louisiana's coastal Lafourche Parish ordered a mandatory evacuation for residents of low-lying areas at noon on Sunday. The U.S. Coast Guard, Coast Guard also raised its warning for the port of New Orleans, calling for ships to make plans to evacuate some areas. The potential for flooding and evacuations added to worries about the spread of COVID-19. Tulane University, the largest private employer, uh, private employer in New Orleans, said it will close its testing center on Monday due to potential flooding and power outages and called on students to maintain social distancing guidelines. All right. All right. I hope you take it seriously. Let's uh, let's try and lighten things up a little bit because I, I want you guys to be safe. I want to be serious. But look, I have to wonder sometimes about this. Uh, I'm just going to I'm just, I'm just going to go nuts with this one. The simulation theory, because I'm sitting here. And I tweeted, I tweeted uh, double hurricanes 2020. You crazy. How what, what is going on? We got we got a pandemic. We got giant meteor of death coming. OK, it's not the giant meteor of death. It's just it's a meteor, whatever. 
but two hurricanes at once? How could 2020 be so insane? I, I, I certainly don't think there's, there's a, a cabal controlling the weather. I know many people probably think that I don't. It's just nuts, isn't it? It's almost like, it's almost like a simulation, huh? I was talking to some other uh, uh, commentators and uh, commenter, commentators and personalities about this stuff. And, and, and we, were, we were all joking like, I've never been more conspiratorial in my life <clears throat> than I have uh, than I am now in 2020, because you've got you know, you got all these crazy conspiracies. And then what happens? Bill Clinton, these photos pop up, then you get double hurricane and then you get pandemic. It's like, what, what is going on? How could all of this be possible in one year? Here's the joke I made. It's not a simulation. It's a game of civilization or whatever. It's a simul. It, it is some kind of like sim game. And there's this like 20 year old dude who's been playing the whole time. He got up to go to the bathroom and his eight year old brother came in and started like mashing the keys and clicking buttons. And when the brother walks in, like from the bathroom, sees his little brother. He's like, dude, Billy, what are you doing? Oh, oh no. Oh, now Donald Trump is president. Oh, like, wh- how do I undo this? And then he like starts like clicking like summon hurricane. I don't know if you've ever played any of those sim games. But that's the joke. That's the gag that Trump Trump is a glitch in the game that someone was playing like, oh, no, now now Trump is president. Oh, we're going to send in hurricanes, send in a, a pandemic. It's not working. None of it's working. He's going to win. I'm kidding, by the way. But isn't it silly? How absurd is all of this? I, I hope everybody is safe. But I just got to say, like, maybe it's actually just the media. I like to think that, like, how often do we get stories about asteroids and it's not a big deal or whatever? But hurricanes are literally coming. And I mean, it's not like the hurricanes are not coming. Maybe uh, whatever. And we actually have the pandemic. I know there's hysteria among many on the left, for sure. But it just seems like how could all of this possibly be a coincidence, right? I'll tell you what. It's because sometimes you win the lottery. That's really it. I mean, look, conspiracies happen. You know, they do. The left likes to, to accuse Trump of his conspiracies nonstop all day and night while they believe crazy conspiracy theories, for sure. But isn't it just uh, 2020 is nuts, to say the least. Well, I think we'll be okay. I'm not worried about the asteroid. I hope everyone stays safe with the, with the hurricane coming, and I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Thank you all so much for hanging out, and I will see you all next time.